0: Wow, Barb, we had our first international interview. We did. <laughs> she was amazing. Yes, Ashley Bowden. Ashley Bowden is a self-sabotage coach. Mm-hmm. So on her website, she talks about how she helps women heal from self-sabotage and move into radical self-support so that they can experience inner confidence and outer impact.
1: Yeah. I mean, we literally could have talked to her for six hours. We It were, went long. The interview yeah.
0: did not even care. Yeah. She was so interesting, so smart, and I just—she's perfect for what she's doing. I feel like anyone who's struggling with cycles of self-sabotage or shame cycles that um, are maybe business owners, I thought of, a lot of them creative people, people who have these dreams but don't know how to move into them, I feel like she would be the perfect ally for you. Yeah. And she
1: said on the interview that she's releasing a quiz that
0: um, you can identify your
1: unique form— An experience of self-sabotage. Yeah, there are
0: eight different kinds, which she talked about a couple of them in the interview. And seriously, she was an absolute delight. Yeah. I loved her.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to it.
0: Yep. So our Canadian sister, Ashley Bowden, enjoy her interview.
1: We are so thankful to have you here. I am really excited to talk about this topic that you dedicate a lot of time to sharing about online. And I know you just had um, a huge summit that was wildly successful, which a huge congratulations on that. Just gathering together a lot of different therapists and coaches and um, all to talk about this topic of self-sabotage. And um, you call yourself a self-sabotage coach, which I would love to learn a little bit more about what that is, what that looks like. So maybe just give us a little bit of a snapshot as to what inspired you to Um, become a self-sabotage coach, maybe some of the life experiences that you had that ended up inspiring you and drawing you into this uh, field and topic of self-sabotage? Yeah,
2: I love to share. Uh, And so, well, I think like most things, it came from my personal experience. Uh, I I had always really struggled with self-sabotage. And I honestly don't know if there's like a human out there who does not wrestle with it at some point. Uh, But I think that it can definitely take different degrees of intensity. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's like a difference between self-sabotage that shows up as like, I'm always running late versus like self-sabotage that is like, I feel powerless against this behavior in my life. Uh, And so I had an experience that I walked up for really intensely for six years Um, With a sex addiction that I could not stop. And it was a really frustrating journey for me because it was like one, one, it was frustrating because I couldn't stop, but two, it was also frustrating because I felt like I couldn't get help. Uh, And, you know, you take all those like conventional routes of trying to get help. uh, And a big part of my story with that is that it felt like no matter who I went to, like it just felt like no one could help me. Uh, and so i went like i went to therapists i went to like pastors i went to like my family doctor i went to community supports um uh, and either people looked at me like i've never ta- i've never heard a woman say this to me or uh they just were like i don't like i don't know and i don't know where to direct you and i don't know what to tell you and so It became incredibly frustrating for me and really defeating, like really hopeless. And so I would try so many different things to get help. I would, uh, you know, do everything from like tough love, like just be sort of like harsh with myself. I, you know, would try to um, go to therapy for like a consistent period of time. I would try online courses. I would think like if I could just manage this other part of my life or if this other part of my life could get better then maybe I could do it and it just like nothing was working nothing so and there's obviously a lot that goes into that story of like how I was able to heal but it was really through realizing like that my self-sabotage in the form of addiction was not this like huge character flaw, it wasn't like this huge mess in my life, but that it was there for a reason, Mm -hmm. and that it was protecting me from something, that it was helping me soothe in some way um, and until i realized like this self sabotage is actually fighting for me and protecting me so it's not about like banishing it you know like banishing it like and punishing myself for it but it's about looking at it and saying and starting to ask those questions of like how has this helped me and like what needs have been met through this behavior and what has this protected me from and what am i really afraid of and um through a lot of those tough questions and navigating I was able to find extraordinary breakthrough and then continue to use that to find breakthrough in other areas, like maybe smaller areas of self-sabotage, if you will, uh, and realize that I had a real passion to talk about it and to give people a framework for how to heal and to really just get the message out there that. Yeah, that self-sabotage to an extent is you trying to, attempting to support yourself, but it's built out of and formed out of the unique pain and experiences that you've had.
0: Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I think a lot of times shame can become so pervasive because we think of those like addictions or coping mechanisms as bad things and so it's like oh you're doing bad things instead of reframing it to be oh these habits that I've created or coping mechanisms I'm using or addictions that I have this is actually protecting me Mm -hmm. and it has a function yeah you talk about that how fear has a function but like addiction and all that all of it has a function and it's trying to normally protect like this inner child or this part of you that feels damaged or this part of you that doesn't feel safe or secure. And so I think that's so amazing thinking of self-sabotage through the lens of asking deeper questions that say, oh, why do I keep on ending up with partners that are not good for me or that are abusive or whatever? Why do I keep on going and like, whatever, looking at porn, whatever the addiction is and that kind of stuff. And instead of thinking of like, oh, I'm so bad, I'm the worst saying, okay, what is this serving here? And how do I get to the thing below the thing? That's so powerful. So your clients, because you coach. Yes. This sounds like something everyone should be coached in. So (laughs) that's amazing. Your clients, what are you seeing thematically in them? Like, what are people dealing with?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, actually, you're talking to me at a great time. (laughs) Because (laughs) I'm building, I'm actually about to launch um, so maybe by the time this airs, a quiz of like the eight dominant self-sabotaging types that I see in my clients.
0: Um, okay. So what are some of those? You don't have to bring us through all eight unless you want to, which I would love. But what are you some You heard of it here those? first. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll go through the the ones that I see the most. You know, I mostly work with women and I mostly work with women who are creative or who are doing like either around a side hustle or in entrepreneurship. And the biggest ones I see are one, the perfecter. So wanting everything to be perfect and... You know, really just being afraid of what is on the other side. So it's constantly like delaying, like I'm making this perfect or I'm not ready or I'll do that when I lose like 20 pounds. And it's really, to me, a fear of vulnerability. Uh, another big one is the procrastinator. So waiting to the last minute to do everything. One of the things I really noticed about procrastinators is like, we get like really into, we get like in in some ways, like kind of attached to that feeling of intensity um, and pressure and chaos and kind of you just kind of get in a cycle of like consistently repeating that but the thing that's interesting about procrastinators is that they are constantly carrying a lot of stress um, and that stress can be motivational for them but I, I think that that stress can take such a toll on the body and emotions that procrastinators might not have, have might not connected that to like maybe you feel so tired <laughs> because you're constantly waiting to get into that stress response, another one I, that I see a lot with relationships is what I call the guardian, so that would be people who are real like keep themselves incredibly guarded when someone starts to get close, when they start to feel a sense of intimacy, they'll do something to sabotage the relationship could do that in romantic relationships, but could also do it in friendships, business relationships or professional ones. And and I think, and then another big one is um, the people pleaser. And so I, I say that the people pleaser is, I, you know, because when you, when people go through it, it will say like these statements of, I am safest when. And for people pleasers, I'm safest when everyone else is happy. And People pleasers, I mean, I think to an extent, like a lot of women can relate to people pleasing in general It is self-sabotage in a unique form because it is built off this idea of like, I need to make sure that everyone else is okay for me to feel okay. And there's like this constant abandonment almost of self. Uh, I don't, maybe I don't know how I'm doing, or maybe I'm going to always put myself last, or I don't know how to set boundaries. I don't know how to ask for what I want. Um And so I would say those are probably like the top four I see the most in the people that I work with.
1: Dang. Mm, Wow. I have so many things firing off in my brain right now.
0: (laughs) Can you be a combination of all four? I know. I'm like, (laughs) check,
1: check. (laughs) Uh, But truly, it's even just from a therapist perspective, Ashley, like, I'm so many things are firing off in my mind. Like, what you're offering your clients is such a, uh, such a compilation of so many therapeutic interventions, which is incredible. Like, and I could get on that soapbox really easily, but I don't want to derail us. It's just, it's amazing to hear all of the different forms that self-sabotage takes. And even just hearing that, like our listeners will be able to easily find themselves in the form of self-sabotage that they struggle with in just those descriptions. So I want you to choose which one you would Take out of those four, and maybe take us through some of the some of the things that you would guide a person through. So let's say, for instance, you take the first one. Like, what does the unraveling process look like um, when you're working with that client?
2: Uh, I'm actually going to pick one I didn't say. <laughs> oh, yes, I
0: love it. Um,
2: yeah, so I'll just give you more and more. This the time this yes, one. please. <laughs> I, I'm going to share this one because it's the one that I walk through. This is my I would say my dominant one. Um, it's and I call it the shamer. And so I, the way that this self sabotage really shows up, I would say this shows up a lot with people who have addictions, a lot with people who are like, I keep doing this thing that makes me feel horrible, but like I can't stop. These people cannot tolerate success. And so this does show up a lot. It does show up a lot with my clients. So first, the first thing I would do, like say I was working with someone. And we had identified that this was like a really strong one for them. The first thing that I would do is really look at how their self-sabotage cycle is uniquely operating. That I mean, I believe like anything, like like the cycles for people are so unique um, because it, to me, it can be a real mesh of, of a couple of things. It could be a mesh of like, there are things that I went through, like woundedness that I had as an early child that have formed these, these self-sabotaging patterns because I'm trying to protect myself from very painful things that I've experienced and then part of it can also be like I'm trying to get needs met but I'm trying to get my needs met in a way that feels the safest possible so for example like well uh, for sex addiction for example if you grew up in a home where like you were and were really wounded by your parents those are people that are super you know, super intimate to you. You know, those are the people that are closest to you and bond. And so you're like, you might still really have this strong need for intimacy because maybe that need to get met. But you're you're like, oh, well, like the people, like people in person, for example, are not going to be the safest people to help me meet that need for intimacy. Is there a way I can meet the need for intimacy where I can still stay safe? And so I think maybe like a, a lot of online sex addiction kind of creates this feeling of like I'm getting a need met for intimacy but I'm not actually letting anyone in you know those those two kind of might play and so we can look at what are like the needs like what are the wounds that are going on what are like the early signs that you're headed into um, a self-sabotaging cycle do you start like withdrawing from people do you start stop practicing daily self-care do you does it start with saying like some a lot of people even have like phrases that they'll say to me you can just like catch them that they're like cues like a big one is like um i wish i could just get it together and that i almost like when someone says this to me i'm like you're about to like get go into a, a self sabotage spiral um for some it could be a feeling like the feeling of overwhelm for a lot of people can lead into um or the subtle cue of shame like if someone says to them like I don't know. I don't like when people do that. Even something like that can, that, that can be really sulky. So we start to like really look at that cycle and we do those two things at once of like looking at what is fueling the cycle from long, from long ago or even from just a little bit ago. And then also look at the cycle so that we can figure out how can we intercept the cycle early on. And I have really like termed self-support as like, yeah, as the antidote to self-sabotage. And so by knowing like those early cues in your cycle, we can, we can intercept with self-support as fast as possible so that you stop going around and around and around and you can start to actually move forward.
1: Wow, this is so fascinating. It is so fascinating. I am just in, I am in it. Me <laughs> too. With you right now,
0: wow. No, and what you're doing is so important to you because it, I'm sure that this plays out in every facet of your clients' lives. So it's like, this is gonna play out in relationships. This is gonna play out in relationships with Like God, yourself, each other, peers, work, relationships, everything. And then it's also going to play out in dreaming and hoping and just like future planning and all of that. Like you can self-sabotage those things so easily too that it will kill that creativity. And so I think there's just so much that can really bleed from a self-sabotage cycle that can be healed with, you know – The right coach, apparently, because it seems like.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Finding the right support. Yeah.
0: So in terms of creative, so I was looking on your Instagram today and I saw that list that you had made about uh, like just knowing whether or not as a creative, if you are self sabotaging. And one of the things was doing a lot of busy work and not getting paid for it. Can you talk more about just that whole list or that one? Because I thought that was super interesting.
2: Yeah, it's so interesting. I um, I feel like people react so strongly like when you're like making an Instagram post for you're like, these are all your problems. And then sometimes I find like the solution posts don't do as well. <laughs> Um but anyway that's just the, that's just an aside. I think part of it is cuz when you start to put language to something and someone can identify it in themselves they're like finally someone sees me or like knows what I'm going through. Um, and and so sometimes can show up in so many ways. Yeah, in that list I cover a lot of things but um doing busy work and not getting paid are two like really big ones. And they're both they're both ones I incredibly resonate with in my entrepreneurial journey. And I actually do see it in my clients a lot of like, for, so here's an example of like how this would operate in someone's life of like, they're like, oh, I am not really making it enough money right now, but I'm going to like fix my website and then I'm going to schedule all these social media posts. But I'm, I'm in, I don't know, think I'll actually ever post them because I don't know if they'll be perfect enough. And then I'm going to research for like five hours, like a plan for what to do next. And so then you like look at those things and you're like, how are any of those things immediately supporting your need to make money? And to me, like all of those, all of those, that busy work is like, it's, it, it's self-sabotage. It's like delaying yourself the opportunity to get your needs met. And there might be a lot in, in that that's like empowering you to make that self-sabotaging move, if you will. Like maybe you're afraid to sell. Like maybe you, uh, you can't tolerate financial success. Maybe that feels like vulnerable or it feels scary. Maybe if you sell, like you're scared of your work not being good enough. Or of experiencing or having to navigate rejection or doing something wrong or whatever. Um, there's even unique vulnerabilities that can play. Like, for example, the example I gave earlier about intimacy, that can really show up in business and with creativity. If you have a fear of intimacy, it's going to be very hard for you to serve people one-on-one. And so, I mean, it's so like varied and and. And it could be like a million different things. And so that's why I really love to like really get into it with people because then I can really, really figure out what's actually, what's actually fueling it. But yeah, busy work and, um, and also like not making money in terms of like maybe not setting boundaries around it, like doing so much for free or.
0: And that's not just for like graphic designers. It's like all people in like any sort of profession, helping professions, creative professions like I can think of a million examples right now of someone being like, well, I'll just like do it for free or I'll just whatever. And I'm like, no, if you were anyone else, you would be requesting that you would get like your day rate charged or whatever. And obviously there are times to serve and like do something for the good of another person. But it's, if it's a habit, it does sort of point to maybe some like shame or something where you don't think you're worth getting paid or that like your work isn't good enough to get paid.
2: Yeah. 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 One interesting thing too, is if you notice that when someone else says, like if you're noticing, like if you're in a group or something and someone else said like, no, I'm not doing that for free. You have to pay me this amount of money. And there's, there creates this response in you of like, can't believe they would do that. <laughs> it's like, you want to be that person. You want to step up and set the boundary, but you, there's like either a fear or something or else going on. And it's, Causing you to judge the person who is actually standing up.
0: Wow. Woof, yo. <laughs> that is so good. Yes. That is so good.
1: Yep. What an amazing, like, indicator to pay attention to. It's like that indicator light goes on, you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious too, where does self betrayal fit in to all of this? Would you say self betrayal is synonymous with self sabotage? Is it different? Like, how would you differentiate those?
2: Yeah, it's actually interesting because when I did the summit, when I had the interview with um, two enneagram experts, the way they defined it was because we were talking about self-support for each of the enneagram types, um, and she she mentioned about how self-support is learning how to stay with yourself, and I like really love I really loved it. I I really like sort of like really connected with that point because I think that that's true. I think that there's some some self-sabotaging types that are more prone to self-betrayal. Some, I think, look more like self-betrayal on the outside, but I think at the end of the day, they're all this form of, there's a, at least a little bit of a form of, I don't trust myself, I don't like myself, or um, or I don't know how to support myself.
0: Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. I'm also firing on all cind- cylinders. Yes. Actually, I want to keep you here for six hours because yes, This interview will be six <laughs> hours long. This is – I only hesitate because we're boomeranging, boomeranging back a tiny bit. But this kind of goes with that idea of, like, self-betrayal. So something I've been talking – I'm starting a new business in two weeks. And something I've been talking to Barb a lot about is, like, this idea of financial success. And you've mentioned it a couple of times here. And – um, to your point, it did make me feel less crazy or alone because you've mentioned it several times, but this idea of like a fear of financial success, talk me through a little bit more about that and how that has to do with self-sabotage. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, I think a fear, fear of success in general can really create an atmosphere for self-sabotage um, because the minute that you get any form, you know, any form of abundance or provision, you're gonna like ruin it. And I I almost like to look at it like, well, this is like a really therapeutic term, but it's almost like a a hypervigilance. You're like we're always like scan in some ways we're scanning for the threat. And so like your whatever your self that dominant self sabotage type is is gonna be is going to differ in terms of what is the threat. Um, And that's like maybe a thing that you might be more hypervigilant about. So like for, for the perfecter, for example, like you might constantly be scanning to see other people's responses about like you doing something wrong for um, the shamer, it could be like you're constantly scanning to see if someone is embarrassed by you or if you feel like you're about to be humiliated or misunderstood. But for, um, in terms of financial Financial stuff. I think you're you're always scanning in in looking like, am I about to rec- for know like am I about to receive a lot of money? Like this is dangerous. Um, and kind of the way that the framework, the very basic framework that I share with self sabotage is that self sabotage is like your protector. The protector is always gonna fight for the inner child, and then there's like our adult self that's like in the present, like in the now. And so like if you you know, that story of when you were young could carry so many different things about like, what does, what does abundance mean? Like, what does it open you up to? And so if your inner child is like, it is scary to be taken care of, scary to feel taken care of. Then when you suddenly, like, let's say you just got like, I don't know, $5,000 and you're like, I feel so financially taken care of as in your adult self, but your inner child's like I'm, like, I'm terrified. And so then it almost like flags the protector and the protector comes in and says, we got to fix this. Like we got, we got to mess this up so that we can keep the inner child safe. And so um, that's when we start to, we can start to sort of ask those questions of like, I, for me, I really like to focus on the, the phrase, like being taken care of. Cause I actually think a lot of our, Financial fears are rooted in that. Like, because a lot of us maybe have experienced feeling taken care of in ways that were not healthy or ways that were not safe. So, when the, that financial feeling of like, I can pay all my bills and I can feel taken care of or I can take care of myself, our inner child might be going, like I'm about to be hurt. I'm about to be forgotten. I'm about to experience harm. Um, And so how can we start to sit with that inner child and be like, it's different now. And we're like choosing a new and a better way to take care of ourselves.
1: That is
0: so good. Wow.
1: So just a question on that. So when that protective part is flagged and says, oh, we need to take care of this, would you say that that's what leads into this self-sabotage cycle?
0: Because then the kid is the inner child, which this sounds a lot like internal family systems work. Have you, okay, yeah. yeah. So this inner child is flipping out. And then the protector comes and says, I'm going to protect you by sabotaging the thing that you're afraid of, whether in a lot of the times it's good things. So like love, intimacy, financial freedom slash safety, whatever. And so the protector comes and just kills that. Is that what self-sabotage is?
2: Yeah. It's like a very basic form of IFA.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So when we think about this antidote of self-support, mm-hmm. yeah. so where does that fit in? Maybe like as somebody is about to spiral into that cycle or they're in it and they're trying to find their way out of it, how does self-support work in that moment?
2: Yeah, so so I look at self-support a couple of different ways. Like it's a, one, a strategy to intercept the cycle, which um, you just alluded to and we sort of spoke about before. But I also also part of it is, cultivating daily practices of self-support creating a new foundation i like to see it too like self-support it's like when you can build a foundation of self-support that it it almost creates a current that can push back on the self-sabotage and um, because you're reclaiming a sense of safety by mm-hmm. learning how to support yourself and the protector doesn't have to fight so hard for you and um, i think that It is about doing that. So it's about cultivating those daily practices, using it to intercept. Um, And sometimes self-supporting can also just be, uh, because some self-supported practices are more like healing practices. So not necessarily, maybe you're not doing them every day, but they can be a resource to you. And so self-supported practices like there's tons but (laughs) the some of my favorite ones um just to give some context or ones that I use every day I'll tell you ones I use every day gentle daily walks is mine Two is like self-compassion learning how to specifically learning how to respond to myself and compassion one of the big things I talk about too is that a lot of people who self-sabotage are caught up in dialogues of harshness harshness will make you feel even more unsafe which will cause self, self-sabotage to increase
0: oh that's so good
2: and so the more we can cultivate and practice um responding to ourselves into compassion, you know saying things like that totally makes sense or what could feel supportive to you right now what do you really need um even i'll ask myself questions of like what could, is the most gentle thing you could do for yourself today What's the most extravagantly loving thing you could do for yourself today? Um, and just to just to start to strengthen that reflex for self-compassion, checking in with my inner child is something that I do quite consistently. And so getting to know that part of me. And I think the more you get to know your the more you get to know your inner child, the more even more intimately you can know your self-sabotage because you can know like what is the thing that's gonna set mm-hmm. off. What are almost like those triggers? whether that's like shame or fear of rejection or whatever. Other ones are like, like even just like breathe, like really intentionally breathing. Self-holding. Okay, self-holding is my favorite. And so like lovingly and gently holding yourself. So my favorite ones are either to like hug myself or to cup my face. I don't know why, but I just like love to like-
0: Did you say cup your face?
2: Cup it, cup, cup it, not cut it. But sometimes when I say "cup your face, people think I said cut your face.
1: So that self-holding, does that provide a sense of safety that is lacking in that moment?
2: Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like a nurturing, like you're not alone and like a comfort, I guess, too. and um, Really, like almost in some ways, like a real motherly. Yes.
1: Yes. yes. That's where I. I think of uh, reparenting. It's almost I talk to clients a lot about this idea of reparenting and what do you imagine a good, nurturing, loving parent would do in this moment? Like I use the example often of like a little kid afraid of the dark just had a nightmare or is terrified and convinced that there's like a scary monster in yeah. the closet yeah. or under the bed. A good parent would come in, put the light on, say it's it's okay, you're okay. I'll rub your back till till you go back to sleep. And that imagery can be really helpful because not everyone, of course, has had that loving, nurturing, safe yeah. parent. Um, so I love that you're incorporating. The this, um, this reparenting, like how do, how can I talk to myself yeah. and nurture myself like a good parent would? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that you have changed my life. <laughs> I think that you are going to change the lives Seriously. of everyone who listens to I'm this. I'm like, can we sign up for Legitimately, this? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, group session work. Yes, please. I think that what you're doing is so important. And like I said before, like I think especially women, I can see how we struggle with this. And the pressure that can be put on us by society, by our places of work, by our places of worship, that the pressure that can be put on just really do create an environment for self-sabotage. And I can see how the work that you're doing is just so timely for this. And I'm just so excited that you're doing this and that you're I don't know. Like literally I am like dumbfounded by how just important and needed this is. Um, I have two questions. First of all, how do people find you? Yeah. Where do people go? <laughs> well, you can find me on Instagram. Yes. Ashley.
2: Bowden or on my website, dot But Instagram is really the only social media I care about.
0: And it's so colorful. So like pink and orange and purple and amazing. And I love it. Um, So that's how people would find you. That's if they wanted to, like, get coached by you or whatever. That's how they would go. And you're doing all virtual sessions, I'm guessing, with people from all around the world. Awesome. I love it. So if you have been listening to this and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is me. I'm self-sabotaging. I am doing X, Y, Z. Then you know where to go and you have no excuses. Because Ashley's amazing. (laughs) So that's number one. Number two, a question that we ask all of our people at the end of these interviews is if you could go back 10 years and give yourself a pep talk, so 10 years ago, Ashley, a pep talk, what would you tell her?
2: I would probably tell her that the greatest thing that she could do was learn how to be gentle with herself and to actually make eye contact with herself. Like go look in the mirror Make eye contact with yourself and remember and know that no matter, you know, no matter the achievements that you have, no matter how many people applaud for you, no matter um, how many mistakes you made, that at the end of the day, the person who can truly see you is you.
1: Mm. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Whoa, whoa, Go make wow, eye wow. contact with yourself. I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Yes, that's incredible. Ashley, you are such a joy. We are yeah. just literally, we could talk to you for six more hours and it would be a total ease and a joy. Yes,
0: absolutely. And you are just, I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing and it's making such a big difference. And I'm so excited for our people to get to meet you and love you like we do now. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Well, beautiful Pep Talks family, if you haven't been told yet today, we believe in you and you have have what it takes. for listening. If you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram at the Pep Talks podcast.
1: And we want to be clear, everything that we're sharing on this podcast is not or intended to be therapy or psychological advice. It does not constitute a client therapist relationship.
0: We are your virtual friends, not therapists.
1: Yes. So if anything comes up for you during these podcasts, we completely understand. We're talking about a lot of different topics. So please consult a mental health provider for support. You can find a therapist through Psychology Today's website at www.psychologytoday.com.
0: Yep. Have a great week, guys.